Welcome to the Lost Traveler podcast. I am your ever-loving host, Henry Cameron Allen. And today I have a new friend that we're bringing to the table as a co-host for the Lost Traveler podcast in this episode. Kylie Mort is many things and she is a best-selling author and has had multiple award-winning publications. She's an app developer. She is a, a life coach. Um, gosh, the list is endless. I'm here looking at all the amazing things that you've done, yoga and philosophy and teaching and and all that. And you're based in, in Melbourne, is that right, Australia? Near Melbourne, yeah. yeah. Um, thanks for having me on my show. Uh, well, yeah, based here. in a little place called Warrenbane, which is about two and a half hours out of Melbourne. So you would okay. say it's regional. Like as the sun went down today, there were kangaroos all over my front lawn and and around the trees. So yeah, you you definitely say it was a, a regional area. Are you from there originally? Or are you? Um, I'm originally from another little township um, about an hour away from here. That was it's on top of the hills. Um, it's up in the snow line. Um, and yeah, I used to at at one point in my early years, I I ran the pub up there a local pub and met my husband when he came in so and then wow. the rest of history moved add to that, here because add that to your list was. of your long list of life experiences you're not that old <laughs> <laughs> you're not old at An all old soul perhaps <laughs> old soul exactly exactly um you know, this is this is a, a, a co-hosting situation. So this is an open conversation about universal life skills and sharing biographies and how did we get from point A to point B to become who we are, to be inspired, uh, to be helpers in this world, to help uplift other people. Uh, I'm finding so many people in every culture around the world, every corner of the globe who have that impulse and are putting that frequency out there. Um, where did that impulse begin in you? Growing up in a small town, um, did you have a broader sense of the world from your family, from your upbringing, your education? I think for me, um, it's definitely a point of only very recently, um, you know, in the last, in the last five years or so, looking back on life and thinking, oh, that's why that happened. And that's why I'm at this position. I mean, I think a, a lot of um, the drive and the, you know, to, to, to have so many different, you know, badges on my CV, um, I obviously worked very, very hard and I was a driven person. And I had massive goals and I, and I hit all those things. Um, but it wasn't until... I think um, maybe seven years ago that um, I inadvertently fell into a group, a networking group of people um, that really made me look at my past uh, closely. Um, it was a past that has, um, you know, uh, childhood trauma and abuse and all of those kind of things that when that happens to you as a young person and you clamp that lid down on it and lock it and say, I am never thinking it about that again. I'm never going there again. And I am stronger than this at the time that does give you strength. And, 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 you know, you can build up these walls and, and, and be an incredible, you know, person who overcomes everything, but there comes a point where it's actually much healthier to open the door and explore it. And it's sort of, you know, it might sound cliche, but so many people talk about the fact that you need to be able to fall apart and look at all the pieces before you rebuild back stronger again. And I think it was very much that kind of thing with me. I can totally relate to that. I also grew up in a, a difficult home situation, early divorce. I was six years old, we were living abroad. Um, I never had a, a solid foundation under me. And then, uh, you know, parents in different hemispheres of the world and ping pong. Wow, that back must have been but then also, you know, being in a violent home and being in a situation where I did not always feel safe. 
In fact, I rarely felt safe. And I was rescued at age 13 uh, from that environment and given as a gift the word integrity and told to go look it up. And I'm, I'm older than the hills. So back then we didn't have internet, we didn't have a Google or, you know, anything like that. So I can remember those times. Uh, <laughs> big we, old dictionaries. You know, we had a big Oxford English dictionary, you know, the, the family I was staying with and a big heavy brass uh, music stand because it was so big and thick. And uh, mm. go and look things up. And I looked up integrity and the way I understood it and to learn this at 14 really pivoted me in a very different direction that I might've gone. I might've gone down a very dark road and you know what that feels like, you know, when you, when you see a light at the end of the tunnel and that's what integrity gave me, a sense of myself as a whole person. Every aspect of my being is connected and integral. It's an integral, I'm an integrated, being i have my spiritual mm. self i have my physical self i have my intellect i have my curiosity and my sense of wonder right i have my inner child but i also believe that we as children have an inner adult that guides us by our instinct towards survival and mm. we don't talk enough about that i don't think um it, it's it's do you have a perception of that? Did you have a perception of that that or are able to identify that moment that pivoted you in the direction that you ended up going in? Well, talking about, you know, that that you know, the critical moment where you could have gone down a very dark path. Um I think that that's definitely a common theme with a lot of us. Um I I was on that very dark path. Um, I was there happening. Um, and it was actually a teacher who, you know, sort of tapped me on the shoulder and she said, Kylie, what are you doing? You know, you're, you're such a bright kid and, you know, you, you get such good results. Because I've always been a wordsmith. I've always loved literature. So, um, you know, writing was, was sort of a lifeline that I clung to. Um, and with this particular teacher, she was my literature teacher and I was, I was a very good student. And, you know, no matter what crazy kind of things were happening after hours, when I was in the classroom looking at literature, that was just, that was my happy place. Um, and, you know, she said to me, you know, you, you, you're going to end up in a very bad place if you don't sort yourself out. Um, and it's not that I did actually sort myself out then because there was, there was a lot of drama after that as well. But I think that her belief in me uh, helped me believe in me. So even though all of the darkness and all the, you know, all of that kind of thing was happening, there was this glimmer of of hope that I I was worth redeeming. And I think that um, in one of the first published books that I did um, called Empowered Women Empowering the World, um, I explore that kind of that kind of mindset that you you know you don't think you're a worthy person and you know you're creating all of these terrible things because you know it, it's your own choices you're your own person you know if you're doing these things you're doing them yourself even if you regret them and and I write in this particular book I write about how um you know I I just clung to this hope that that there was something worth redeeming and, and I could I could find that and I could, I could work on that. Um, and in the end, it, it worked for me. But as I said, it was, it was decades after that that I actually did, you know, pick apart why it, it happened the way it did. And it, it was through studying um, psychology that I started to look into, you know, the, the adolescent mindset and, and what influences the adolescent mind. Um, and that really helped me to to detach myself from the situation and go well these were the childhood influences these are the adolescent influences I was a child I can't take responsibility for you know these particular points in time because I was manipulated used you know whatever by the adults in my life so studying psychology really helped me to unpack that and forgive myself for it um, but then also studying the the spiritual side of yoga 
uh, yoga philosophy um, and that kind of thing and and the the ancient scriptures of that you put the two together when you're looking at the fact that we're all souls put on this earth because we choose to be here and and we might be lost on this journey but we're choosing to be lost and to refind ourselves so and this the both the spiritual and the psychological put that together and it sort of it was really a, a wow moment for me and that's why when I work with people now it's always looking at, at such a holistic person you know you can't just work on academics you can't just work on yoga therapy you know all of these different strings to my bow I, I have to look at it holistically and look at this particular person and what are their needs because it's all, as you say, it's all integrated. And that's, if you're just working on one part, right? And well, that's the spirit of that's the spirit of yoga and in its philosophy, right? Is that it's mm. all integrated. And a lot of people, I think, who haven't studied yoga or haven't studied philosophies of the world which, you know, I, my grandmother used to say, eat the fish and spit out the bones, right? Take what works for you, what resonates yeah, with you. Yeah, that's a really great way to put it. Right, and and my mom says that too. And, and you know, really, that's how I managed to achieve what I've achieved in terms of my sense of self, taking, gleaning a little bit from all of those delicious dishes um mm. literature through study through interactions i had the very great privilege of traveling globally when i was a child my father was a diplomat so i, I lived in many cultures and he was not the kind of diplomat that put us in the compound with all the other diplomats kids and all the other american mm. we went to the international schools and so i had friends from australia i had friends of Ang from angola i had friends from egypt and and we still are in touch to this day because we came we became like a global family um and that's precious and and you're absolutely right to to know that you're worthy i expect that this is a global phenomenon still the level of misogyny in the world and the messages that girls get from a male-driven world um, mm. without mentorship very often. Um, you, you, my impression, I, I just saw recently um, the, the singer uh, Madonna gave a speech. She won some, you know, woman of the year in music award. I don't know if it was a recent award or, or a few years ago, but she was talking about being a woman in the music industry, in any industry, and the messages that you get as a child, the messages that you get as an adolescent. When you leave home and you're out in the world on your own, how you navigate as a woman in the world that tells you you're not to think, you're not to have an opinion, you're not to express your sexuality. You're not to express your, your intellect um, mm. or, or, or to explore any of those things even. Very, very limited. Did you find that to be the case? She thanked all the people who told her she couldn't because that gave her the fortitude to stick around, you know, and to yeah, yeah, yeah. become who she became. I, I, find, she it, I find it really interesting. Um, Women are talking about um, the struggles that women go through in different different um, career choices and and generally because um, and I know this is probably a very unpopular opinion but I have never seen my gender as the barrier. I mean, I yeah, it's it's really interesting. I've I've always been somebody who. Um, who has struggled to overcome adversity and, and that was financial adversity, um, you know, family adversity, all the rest of it. Um, and I just, I think maybe I was fighting so hard for everything that my gender was the least of my concerns. And, and, and it never really, it, it was never really a focus. It was, you know, I, um, 
how I suffered a, a, a really bad um, horse riding accident when I was 10 and mm. I was paralyzed from the waist down um, yeah. and I had to learn to walk again. Um, and having that uh, at that age, you know, 10 years old, grade five, um, you, you're the freak. You're the, you know, you, you come to school and you can't walk and, and people use that as a weapon against you. So, you know, I was overcoming so many different reasons to be bullied and ostracized and different. Um, and then also too, I grew up in a family where um, children were used as tools against, you said that you're from a, a broken home too. I, I was from a broken home. Yeah. Um, I was seven years old when that went down. Yeah. Um, and my mum was so relentless in her in her war against my father. Yeah. Um, that we she used us so effectively of tools we didn't even know were being used. And it wasn't until I was adult and and it, and then again studying psychology again just looking back on it just going oh my goodness how could any how could any adults do that to children yeah. um and you know and so i was going i there, there's so many so many barriers to success that i had that genders never come up and like even now i um i run a couple of companies um one of which is a diesel mechanic workshop we work on the um you know, uh, road transport trucks. Yeah. And um, and I've been running that for twenty years, and then decided this year, my my husband, he's the the um the expert, he's the diesel mechanic. And after the pandemic, and we didn't have staff and everything, and I said, you know what, Tom, I'm I'm really keen on doing my apprenticeship. And he looked at me crazy. He's like, why would you want to do that? And I said, because I've been helping you do this for twenty years. Why don't I just get the ticket? Like I'm one of these people who is just like, right, let's let's just go, let's get the qualification. And then so at the moment I'm, you know, I'm doing all of this, you know, running a business and running a home and the kids and all the rest of it. I'm also doing my diesel mechanic apprenticeship. I'm also still ticking along on my psychology studies because I just love it so much that I just it's one of those degrees that you just drag on and on and on and keep adding to because you love doing it. Well, so because we know opinion. more, we know more now than we ever have, and the and the the oh, science behind it, and the understanding of the human brain, which is really untapped, I think, uh, still, um, it, it's fascinating to to take the science of psychology and grow with it because it's constantly changing. Mm. And certainly, too, with um, you know, if if you're working in the coaching space, you know, life coaching or I do um, academic coaching for students as well and that kind of thing. You're constantly having a psychology degree ticking along in the background means I'm constantly looking at the new research and the new articles coming out and Sorry. the new ways of thinking. And it just having that on the side really boosts my ability to look at children and, and, and the adults I work with to look at people holistically. Shadow and Light LLC was established by Dave Roberts and Reverend Patty Farino, co-authors of When the Psychology Professor Met the Minister. Their mission is to empower individuals to transcend life challenges by integrating spiritual practices with psychology to achieve peace. They are available for individualized spiritual counseling virtual or in-person presentations and workshops to universities, organizations, and other interested groups, virtual or in-person book club meetings. For further information, go to psychologyprofessorandminister.com. Yeah. And to say, you know, you, you might have come to me for math tuition, but let's dig a little deeper on this. Or, you know, you, you might need help with your essay writing, but I've really got this great, um, some a, a very, you know, a few yoga moves because I'm thinking perhaps the anxiety might be balanced out by some yoga therapy. So, you know, there's so many different ways to look at the human brain and how, you know, mind, body and soul is all connected. And if you if you nurture all of it, then you're going to be the best you can possibly be. 
You know, for years I was involved as an educator and an administrator in a Steiner School, Waldorf Education. I don't know if you're familiar. I had the feeling of that when I looked at your uh, websites for the, the the programs that you donate to. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's it blew my mind because I had I had such a horrible experience in my education, my own education, even though I was growing up around the world and, you know, attending international schools, the quality of the education was very low. Very often the teachers were there to travel and have summers off, you know, um, mm. they really weren't there for the children. They weren't there to be educators. And, and I felt the, the weight of that. My, my education came from my time sitting in the libraries and my time studying things I was compelled to learn about and, and watching the world around me. It gave me an opportunity to become an observer in the world. And in time, and I grew up around the world, I had never heard of Rudolf Steiner. I had never heard of Waldorf education. And I thought this, that my first experience was to go in and be a drama teacher uh, just, just for about six weeks to, to do a residency. And I walked in and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I said, this is a school, but all the children are happy and it's beautiful <laughs> and everything has to do with the next thing that they're learning. It's all integrated and holistic. And, you know, it, it was just such a beautiful gesture in education that I thought I need to know more about this. I need to know more about what's behind it, what's beneath it. The children never learn about Rudolf Steiner as a philosopher or the leader of the anthroposophical movement or any of that stuff. Um, you know, and anthroposophy is the underpinning of not only Waldorf education, but biodynamic farming and medical research. And there are all these layers to it um, that, that it just, you know, it, it can really take you down a rabbit hole. But I, I think the essence of it Anthropos meaning divine, or meaning uh, human rather, uh, and Sophia meaning wisdom, anthroposophy, right? So it's human wisdom. And it's the human wisdom that we glean from our experiential learning around us throughout our life. Mm. And so it, it, it was born out of theosophy, theos meaning divine and Sophia wisdom. And Steiner was really curious about where does the human being fit into this divine wisdom picture? Because that seems mm. to be the thing that's missing. And if we consider that every human being is the center of the universe from our own perspective, right? We only know what we can see in our 363 yeah. and, and we have more than five senses, right? We have a sense of humor, we have a sense of danger, we have a sense of beauty and all those other things, those super sensible qualities. That's also very layered. Steiner was talking about that. And it was about the human's capacity to keep at bay those forces outside of ourselves that are trying to pull us out of our humanity. We have the, the sex, drugs and rock and roll world that's all very sensual and very, you know, the idea of fame and luxury and all of that that pulls at us from one end. And then you have the technology on the other hand that draws us in, right? And you think of, of everyone carrying around their mobile phones and you look at the scale, most of the world today is experiencing, and I'm talking about, you know, uh, developed world, um, we're looking at it from the perspective that's all in the palm of our hand and it gives us a false sense of scale. Um, when you mm. consider everything that's outside of the human being, the entire known and unknown in the cosmos, we are actually quite microscopic, maybe even less than microscopic. And yet there's, there are whole worlds on the quantum level that are much smaller than we are, but we are the pivotal place, this human capacity to wonder and to imagine those worlds within and without and to identify those forces pulling against us and pushing at us mm. that draw us from the core of our power and as human beings, as individuals. Um, and the core of that is love. The core of everything. 
Um, and I just found I just found it to be not an epiphany, the the work of Rudolf Steiner, but it was a validation of things that I've seen and sensed since my early childhood and been able to sort of sit back from and say, oh, I want to know why that person's acting that way. I'm not going to be a victim. Mm. I've never felt like a victim in that sense. I'm sure as a child, I must have. But when I reach that age where your curiosity sort of bleeds into your intellect and you want to find out the workings of the human mind and the biographies of people that that are the roots of their behavior in adulthood, that's where I found the magic. Mm, definitely. And, you know, one of the first things that I, I talk about with any of the, the people that I work with is the fact that no nobody's perspective is exactly the same as everybody else's because that's we right. all have to see the world through our own filters and layers of experience and and the most important integral thing to to teach young people these days is emotional intelligence is to be able to understand that this is what the world is making me feel and that's okay and to to recognize that the world is making other people feel different things for their own reasons and that's okay and we just need to have empathy and compassion for the fact that everybody comes from their own experience, whether that be good or bad. And that's what's shaping their reality. And that's what I mean by being the center of the universe. Everyone has their own, like yeah. a lighthouse. We have our, we are each of us a lighthouse and our beam only goes so far before it dissipates out into the ether, right? Yeah. And so we are, we can illuminate 360 degrees, but our beam only goes so far. And so to be able to understand that and, and understand that there are more questions than there are answers, mm. it sort of allows one to drop their shoulders a little bit and say, I don't have to understand everything. I'm not meant yeah. to understand everything, but I will understand everything that my light touches. Yeah. And I think that the, the, the really important message for young people um, and this is what I've really been pushing with my latest book, which is the children's book. And that's why this one is, is so, um, so important to me is the fact that, you know, children are told that they have to be a certain way and they have to fit in a certain way. And then the more that our culture tries to diversify the acceptable, is the more challenges children have to say, well, okay, well, this is what the world is labeling everything to be. What label do I need? What label is getting forced on me? What label do I accept? I'm told I have to accept this and I have to do this. And I'm more about children just understanding that whatever it is that makes you you, that's okay. You just be you, you know? And then if you're you and you're, as, as you say, you, you used the word um, authentic, I think it was before, you know, if you're authentic about who you are, then then the world will accept you to be you. On um, your terms, and, on your terms, yeah. not on their terms. And, and, and the younger yeah, that yeah. children know this, the more important it is for them because then they, they don't spend all of these years trying to be something that they don't have to be. A guy wire is a tensioned cable that is designed to enhance the stability of a freestanding structure. Think of me as your guy wire in terms of life skills mentoring. You're perfectly capable of standing stably on your own two feet, but I'm a cable that can enhance your stability. I'm available for individual or couples counseling, life skills mentorship, child loss, grief support, LGBTQ plus support. I can also officiate weddings, end of life ceremonies, baby namings, invocations, or whatever guidance you may need. I serve all genders, all ages. Sessions are affordable, discreet, private, and conducted online. Find me at guy-wire.org. Book your appointment today. Thank you.
Queen's greetings. I'm Queen B. Divine. The cure is conversation. And where can you find me? At bluntreflections.com, where I will be talking to guests from around the world that not only share their time, but their insights and their tips on how they became the best version of who they were meant to be. So if you're looking for a great story and a great time, check me out at bluntreflections.com. The curious conversation. And remember, blase blase means to tell your story. And they will ask for guidance when they feel lost. They will come to you and say, mom, dad, teacher, I don't understand this. What do you know of this, right? And I think it's really important to have children who feel the safety, that's the right. security that they can ask. That's right. Because there are so many children who don't have that magical big person protecting them and don't feel that they have any magical big person protecting them. And I think that's a really important thing that, you know, every child deserves the right to be important, special, safe and loved. So, yeah. and, and this is the message that I keep pushing out with, with my resources that I'm, you know, trying to share with the world is that every little person needs to find their magical big person. And, you know, that could be mum or dad, that could be a teacher, that could be a librarian, that could be, you know, the, the, the neighbour, that, that whoever it is that's going to see you for you and encourage you to be your best, you know. Hold and on. with one exception, the only place I could find that as a child was within. And that's what I mean by that inner adult, because sometimes the mm. world of adults is not there to support mm. you and to, you know, give you that, that input that you're valuable that you're worthy and i do think getting back to the the question of gender i think that the messages i've certainly seen i've certainly been aware of my privilege as a man especially a light-skinned man uh walking this world an american light-skinned man walking this world mm -hmm. um i i think that it's it's it is <laughs> In my experience, what I've seen, and I know every, again, every individual is different, and there are women, girls who have risen above the, the, the limitations that the world puts on women, um, or has, yeah. has put in the past, because uh, we can't go back and, and retrace our steps and fix anything that's happened up until now. We can't bring the burnt witches back, <laughs> you know, we, we, can, yeah. we can only look to the moment that we're in and say what still needs to be elevated and what still needs to be fixed. And again, that's- And it's really uh, interesting to look at the, the different perspectives on feminism and, and women yeah. and the challenges they overcome because, and, and this again comes back to the, the filters that we all have to, to look through, is I, I saw a, a media person, um, you know, commenting on the fact that these women in countries that are, are brutalized and tortured and murdered for not wearing a face covering, right. they're going, they're going through um, gender discrimination. Yes. But if somebody doesn't hold the door for you, <clears throat> or you know, it's, it's there's there's so many different ways where. Uh, people feel that they're discriminated about by their gender all very relative and so there's always you know and I think that's why I've never really felt like as you were talking about you, you've never really felt like the victim I've never felt a victim for being female because you right. look at females across the globe and there there are plenty of people who are suffering from their gender um, right. and and I live in Australia and I'm a, a very um, privileged person in, in the grand scheme of things. I think that's important for us to recognize and to reflect upon is our privilege, where it lies. I think everyone can find in one way or another, whether it's in culture, and I wanna get back to the word culture, um, or whether it's in your profession, your industry, or even within your family, there is a certain degree of privilege, depending on where you fall in the hierarchy 
of birth mm. and and right i mean this is this is something that's documented and studied and i was a middle child and you know i i was always in that position of being either scapegoated or ignored i much preferred being ignored yeah. <laughs> being left to my dangerous. own devices <laughs> huh less dangerous yeah exactly and less dangerous for me because I was safe. I was safe to go off and do my own thing without anyone. I remember being probably 11 or 12 years old in Brazil, hopping on a, a city bus and just going around on my own throughout the city. Oh Don't God. worry about it. I have an 11 year old that I'm worried about leaving at home on her own. <laughs> well, you know, I, it's a different world today than it was in 1976 or whatever. And, and I also think that, uh, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear, and for good reason. I think people, again, you know, coming back to the lost traveler, we are all lost travelers in our way. And to to strive for and seek out the common ground between us as human beings is the universal conversation. It's a universal quest for me. Mm. Um, oh, certainly. You know, because that gives us a sense of reflection back without a label. My label, my only label is my name and the vibration mm -hmm. that carries out into the world, Henry Cameron. I hyphenated my name with my son's name after he passed from brain cancer when he was 13. Uh, because I thought perhaps it might be a, something like that from the, the Lost Travelers Club website. Yeah, well, the Lost Travelers Club is the foundation uh, that supports parents of child loss and that this podcast supports. It's a, a stream of, of, of income and interest and awareness building for the, the mm. journey of, of parents of child loss because we are invisible in the world. Um, there's no word like widow or orphan to describe a parent who's outlived a child. And so, true. you know, you talk about perspective. I, I look at it as akin to losing an eye, losing a child, your perspective on the world is completely different than everyone else in the room. You could pop in a glass eye and you can't really tell unless you're looking very closely what that loss yeah. was and it'll never grow back. Your sight will never come back the way it was. It's a painful wound that'll never heal. And yet it brings with it a unique perspective that is a gift for me I, I feel and not every parent feels that way a lot of parents feel lost completely i was um i was traveling a few years ago around europe i'm based in spain right now but i was in the uk at the time and i needed to get out of the country for a minute and so i went to belgium and i i had to switch trains in brussels and they put me on the wrong train and they ended i ended up almost to Germany, on the opposite oh, wow. side of the country of where I was supposed to be. And I had to go back to Brussels and I went to the ticket agent and I told her the story and she leans back in her chair and she says, ah, you are a lost traveler. Mm -hmm. I almost wept because that was the closest thing that I had ever heard anyone say that describes what it feels like on the other side of child laws. You feel like you're a lost traveler until you meet other lost travelers who get it, who understand that journey and they can walk with you on that path and you can help each other. Your generous sponsorship and individual support of the Lost Traveler podcast benefits the Lost Travelers Club a charitable project under the fiscal sponsorship of United Charitable, a nonprofit 501c3 organization. The Lost Travelers Club focuses primarily on the needs of parents who have outlived their beloved children. We recently launched our new Brain Candy Project Wing, providing art supplies to children still struggling with critical or terminal health-related conditions. We hope to raise enough funds to launch Brain Candy, an arts and literature magazine created by and for these young people. Find out more 
at www.braincandy.online. Thank you. It's a very powerful thing. And, uh, and I think we you know, all, I always we all think that. that we meet someone for a really important reason. Mm-hmm. And I've just realized the really important reason I've met Henry Cameron. Really? Because I have a friend and she lost her son. It's, it's a strange thing. I taught Avalon from year seven. He was, I remember him coming in as a little year seven boy such a, a beautiful kid that was so so academic he just he just loved being at school and I taught him all the way through to year 12 and wished him well off down to uni and it was some years later that um he died in a car accident on oh. his way home to see his mum hmm. and his mum has never got over it you, you can feel her pain. It's palpable every time. Yes. Every time you see her, if you, you see her posts on social media, she's just, and it just makes me think of her when you're talking about this because she's just, yeah, she she she's never gotten over it. And and it's like what you're saying with a lost traveler. She's just. You're wandering. You're, you're wandering. It sounds behind. like her. Yeah, and 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 I think it's important. That's why I wanted to reach out to other parents, and I'm happy to talk to her anytime. Um, yeah, I'd like to to create uh, with the Lost Travelers Club an actual travel group that we can journey together, go on holidays, mm. beautiful places of staggering magnificence. I, I for the ten year milestone of Cameron's passing. I uh, I took a road trip around Ireland, uh, the Republic of Ireland, around the south coast and up to Galway and then across to Dublin. And it was really an amazing journey um, that I did just alone with my assistant's dog. And yet I didn't feel alone. And there are the places that the Irish call the thin places, which are places of, of majestic beauty that you feel that the veil between worlds is thinner in a way. And, oh. and I, around every corner, I found them. And I could feel him with me. I could feel, I still do. And I don't believe in death anymore. This is a really profound talk about pivot. I believe that death is an illusion. If, if we can validate through science or physics that everything is energy, right? My, cup, my dog, my light, my mm, on my mm-hmm. window, the sun, my brother, all of these things, we are all energy. And we know that energy cannot be created. It cannot be destroyed. destroyed. Mm-hmm. It just transmutes, it changes form. So I believe that it is one of our human capabilities to sense how energy it, interpreted as frequency meets us we are we can become sensitive to the energies and frequencies around us and for me that is how i stay connected to cameron by adding his name hyphenating his name with mine the way that people link their their last names when they marry sometimes it it presents my name my frequency to the world always connected and informed as part of him as him part of me and me part of him, people get to know him through me. It also keeps his name in the world. When you've lost a child, nobody speaks their name anymore, not even family members. They're dealing with their own grief, but they also mm-hmm. want to upset you. And, and I have yet to find a parent of child loss who both dreads hearing their child's name and longs to hear their child's name. And mm. so I, I claim it, I claim that. And it's also a mathematical equation. It's Henry minus Cameron. That is my identity. That's who I am walking in the world. And so it's- That is it's, so beautiful. You the know, way it's got so many layers. It's got a lot of layers to it. And I'd much rather tell that story than to talk about, oh yes, he was 11 and he got brain cancer and all that journey, that whole story. That's not fun yeah. to talk about, but there's something profound in, you know, as I say, my name, my name is my label and the impact that my name has on other people through the story that it tells. 
Um, and I think that really does resonate with what you were saying about your um, your club or your your group with that yeah. only somebody who's lost a child can understand the feeling because just listening to you then about the different you know the different layers of the name and and what it means you know that's that's something that I would imagine that Charlie feels exactly the same but I would never have thought of it because I'm not in that space I would have never have thought of it I went on a road trip because I had to get out of town. You know, when you've lost your child, you can't go to the market without somebody falling apart in your arms. You're trying to get through your own mourning and your own shock mm -hmm. and your own grief, especially if it's been, I had the luxury of two years to process his passing with him. And he was aware the whole time of the journey and what was going on. But I've met families, many families like Charlie, who they had a healthy, vibrant child there one day gone the yeah. next. Yeah. I can't imagine that journey. And they can't imagine watching me watch my child die for two years helplessly. I mean, there's that, it's like birth. Death has its own sort of unique quality in each experience. Mm. And I went on this road trip to the Grand Canyon in the Western United States, which is unconscionably big. I mean, pictures don't do it justice. And I needed to feel small again after two years of trying to be a superhero and, and save myself. Yeah, and I that's needed a lovely my, way to put it. I needed my scale back, you know? And um, way out in the middle of the desert on your way to the, to the canyon, there are long, long stretches, kilometers and kilometers of nothing but desert. And at night, just starry sky and inky black and the lights of your car on the road, that's all you see. And I found this little alcove in the middle of nowhere, three buildings with a hundred meter tall lamppost. And in the beam, there were these three buildings, a small motel, a Native American or indigenous trading post and a post office. No civilization for miles and miles around, yet it had its own zip code. And I looked up at the post yeah. office and it was called Cameron, Arizona. Oh my God. What are the odds I would end up there? But that's I, the thing. People, I stayed in the. Oh. People come to places or they, they meet people that is just, it's part of their journey. It's, it's just, the frequency it's that you're picking up on and you're following. Definitely. You're, you're yeah. trusting, you're trusting, and, and you hone, you hone and develop the skills to be able to do that. And I woke up, I stayed in the motel, and there was a. Um, a woman sitting on her blanket selling the jewelry that she had made. And she was a classic sage, indigenous North American woman. She had long silver hair and tiny slit eyes and wrinkled skin from the elements. And I could tell she carried a lot of wisdom. And I asked her if I could sit with her. And she invited me to sit down. And I said, you know, I've, I've traveled the world. I speak multiple languages. I've looked and looked and researched and Googled up the wazoo looking for a word to identify, label who I am now after child loss. I just lost my son a few months ago. And she said, well, perhaps it's too profound a loss for a mere word to describe. People expect that they may lose their partner or their parents someday, um, but you don't expect to outlive your child. And I asked her, is there anything in your culture that holds this? Is there a word or an expression? And she said, no, your, your name would change. When you lose a child, your name changes because your name is the expression of your core identity. That's how people get to know you is through your name. If you do good deeds and you speak good words and your people smile when they hear your name, right? Yeah. And so I might call you Henry, whose son is gone. That becomes your name. And everyone who you meet is you're introduced as Henry, whose son is gone, or if they think about you and you're not there, or if they talk about you with other people, even in their dreams, they identify you that way so that everyone who's aware of you holds you in your loss. I thought, oh, see, and I didn't have that. I didn't have the awareness that any culture did that. I thought, what a beautiful way to hold this. But I'm not going to go around the world calling myself Henry, whose son is gone. Nice to meet you. You know, that's mm. not who I, that, but I needed to find the right way. And Henry Cameron 
or does Henry that. hyphen or Henry minus Cameron. It's just so it incredible the way it can go, like hit those two different marks. And I think everyone has the power to do that for themselves. You're given your name just as you're given your gender when you're born. The whole world mm. tells you who you are. But I, I think permission is a powerful thing. I know permission is a powerful thing. And if we empower one another to claim our name, to claim our label for ourselves, I think we are in an amazing time. There's more freedom to be an individual now than I think there ever has been in history. Other people have claimed it. Some people have died for it. But I think now, and I hope in the East and other in the Middle East and, and other countries, it becomes easier even still. Uh, and we're seeing change happen as we speak uh, to be- It's in interesting to think of the way that, um, you know, you, you've got the, the lost travel a bit. Yeah. And then the, the freedom to be, an individual, the, the freedom to be whoever you so desire to be. And when you put that together with, um, you put it together, oh, where was I going with that? <laughs> You're talking so I'm like, oh, that's a point, and that's a point, and that's a point. Yeah. And then I need to put the points back together again to count it together. But yeah, the, the, the freedom to, to be whoever you want to be um with the fact not lost it well, to be who you are whether you want to be uh, you get to choose truly you are empowered to choose who you express the way you put yourself out to the world is the way the world perceives you that's how much power you have mm. right and the whole world can point at you and it. say you're this that and the other thing and and this is what i experienced as a kid was everyone pointing their fingers at me saying you're this that and the other thing and I'm like, why don't you ask me who I am? Why are you assuming? And that's what I was thinking too about the fact that the lost traveler, people are lost when they don't know their purpose or they don't feel they have a purpose or they don't feel that life has a purpose. That's right. And they're searching for their tribe and they're searching for their identity. And I think, and definitely, um, you know, in, in the different parts that you study in a psychology degree, right. you study how we go through these phases where we are searching for identity, we are searching for the labels that fit, that kind of thing. Um, but if, when it all comes back to it, I think everyone's purpose is very unique too. That's right. And as soon as you find that, you can cast off all of the other labels because they don't matter anymore. And it doesn't matter that somebody's trying to pin those labels on you. They just They just fall away because like, no, this is where I'm going. This is my purpose. And this is you know, no one can stop me from getting to there because I've now found out that that's the goal. And, I, and many people who are who feel that they're lost don't have the goal in mind. They 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 don't know what their purpose is. Yeah, for you, for years, I felt like I was walking into a, a rotunda surrounded by open doors. I have a lot of talents, a lot of interests, a lot of abilities. And I'd pick an open door, I'd walk through it, and I'd be another rotunda surrounded by open doors. Okay, well, I guess I'm not in the right place. I'm going to go down this road. You know, I'm going to take this door. I'd walk into another one. And a, yeah. a great teacher one time told me, it was a great metaphor for, for that journey of feeling lost. And she said... Uh, this teacher said to me, why don't you just hang out there for a minute? Is there a bench? No, sit on the floor. Check out the architecture of the rotunda. Is there anything painted on the ceiling? And I think she meant be where you are, just be where you are. The joy, the wonder, the magic is in being in the moment, understanding you can't go back and change or fix anything. There's no time machine invented that can take us back to change where we've come from and there's no time machine either to project us forward into tomorrow this moment is it this is what we have and our whole biographies yours and mine have led us to this conversation and not only our biographies but the biography of everyone who's in our dna back yeah. to the first human being which right. leads you back to that thing is, you know, when we're looking at purpose, the purpose of life is to find joy. And if we find joy, we're doing what we're passionate about. 
So I think if you, you know, you just follow your joy, just search for your joy all the time in the present moment. What am I thankful for? What am I joyful for in this moment? And if you just keep going from moment of moment to joy, then you're going to be filling your cup with all the things that you need. That's a tough one for parents of child loss. Because mm. for many of us, I would venture to say most of us, our joy or our sense of joy was wrapped up in parenting and, and in our children. And so what it's felt like to me is that my joy left with Cameron. He's still here in his way, but I don't, I don't think I feel joy the way I used to. I don't interpret it the way other people do. But what I have found in my purpose, in being of service through my grief, has brought me a tremendous amount of satisfaction in my living. And that's enough for me. Mm. Have you read the Bhagavad Gita? Yes. Yeah. What did you think of the interpretation of death in that? Well, the, the interpretation of, of eternal life, I should say. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it comes back to what I'm talking about. I, I don't believe in death. You mm. know, there is, I we thought are all, of that when you first said it. We're all into Yeah, and that, and certainly, I mean, I haven't read it for, for decades. I was young. I was a teenager when I read it. You should read it again. I, I definitely thought of my friend who had lost a child. When yeah. I was reading it, because I've only just recently read it again for um, my my yoga stuff, yeah. Um, I thought, oh, I need to tell her about this. She needs to read this book. It yeah. just came to me like a certain part. I can't even remember what part I was reading. I'm like she needs to read this book, and it was about the fact that there is no death. I'll that, put a link we'll in the description. About. I'll put a link into the description for readers to um, yeah. Any other resources that you think will be helpful. Um, I think it's quite a way sure. through. It's maybe towards the end of the text. Yes. It's, it's right. certainly not in the first book, but it's it, quite a way through where he's talking about um, the fact that the concept of death, the same way you're talking about it, that it's just a, you know, the, a reimagining of the, um, of the energy that's evolved and it's all just energy. And so, you know, you could be Cameron still there with you in the same way that, you know, loss is just a, the, that, um, the veil between worlds. Well, and that's, that's it. I think that, you know, again, it, we, we can be inspired by literature. We can be inspired by philosophy. We can find our way. That's, the, that's what I was getting to is that the joy in, in the traveling is not in the destination. It's in the journey. And there's, mm. there's something about being lost that opens you up, cracks you open to new experiences, new unexpected places that you've not been before. There are so many gifts in the loss. And if you think of the loss of something, uh, I, I heard recently somebody saying that a, a death on this side is a birth on the other and is celebrated mm -hmm. like a birth on the other. That it's just a constant cycle of beginnings and endings, but it's perpetual, it's eternal, as you say. Um, then that, that can sort of expand our, our, our minds. You know, a lot of, lot of parents sit and wonder why, why did this happen? Why, why me? And I've come to the, the answer, which is a hard one, why not? No one's promised to tomorrow. And it's the worst mm. nightmare that a parent could imagine. In fact, I knew when I was eight years old, we had a homework assignment and uh, we had to write a, a short paragraph on what is your greatest fear. And I sat there, I remember sitting there looking at this blank sheet of paper thinking, why would anyone ask a child to focus on their fear and what they're afraid of? And I wasn't a fearful child. I wasn't afraid of the dark. I wasn't afraid of bugs or snakes or spiders, anything. And the only thing I could think of at eight years old was outliving my children. Call it a premonition. Mm. But that's what I carried until I got to the other side of it. 
and the worlds that have opened up because I met my fear and I survived my fear. And I don't feel the loss of him physically. Yes, of course. And would I rather have him here? Would I rather not have had him suffer what he went through? Of course. But the fact is, here we are. As they say, it's the club no one should belong to and no one wants to belong to. Well, guess what? We're here. And there is a club, mm. a Lost Travelers Club. Join the club. Let's talk about it. <laughs> let's be there for each other. And let's link arms and walk powerfully back into the world with the perspective that no one else could have but us. Balance, pain mitigation, range of motion, athletic performance, focus, memory, immune system support, and REM level of sleep. All this and more made possible affordably with no pharmaceuticals, no injections, or invasive treatments. Just socks, insoles, and patches made stronger with the tactile patterning of Vox Life products. Scientifically proven to work and guaranteed. Now in the USA, Canada, and the UK, Visit www.dianedinkmeyer.voxlife.com. That's Vox, V-O-X-X, life. You'll be glad you did. Right. And it's interesting the way that, as you say, that you're all part of the club because some part of your perspective is linked. And that's why we're all very different. We all have our own filters, our own experiences, but there's that link that links you together in the same way that, you know, when I when I think about the holistic way that I work with people, I've read the, um, you know, the Bhagavad Gita, I've read the Silver Mind Control, I've read the, um, what's that lady, The Secret, I've read like so many different texts that are about different things but when you pull the threads together, they're all talking about the same thing. That's and right. nowadays, like when I get anything, like from, from uni with psychology or, or from, from yoga texts that I'm reading, or when I find that, that thread that pulls them together, I'm like, aha, here's another one. Because yes. there's much that the interpretations and perspectives of different people are heralded as different until you start to really look at them. Uh, but they're, they're so similar. So I can't believe we've been talking for an hour. <laughs> this happens, time and space just disappears. And then all of a sudden, boop, here we are. Um, I, like to, I like to wrap up with, you know, asking for three of those threads to share with our listeners around the world, universal threads that we can all reflect on and maybe try out with the tools that we already have to elevate our proficiency in one skill or another. So what is it that So three tools, three, like we're talking about these threads that, that these common threads that we can look at and find, discover. What are three that you've discovered that maybe somebody hasn't yet that you can share? As in text or things that I do? Or, yeah, like personal in your personal toolkit that you have synthesized with the tools that you already carry that somebody else might be able to play with. Well, if we sort of go put, pick different tools from different places, I'd say that the Bhagavad Gita is a must read for everybody. I think that is the most incredible text. And if you can get past the fact that it's, it's based on the interpretation of very old scriptures it has some really universal themes that you see coming out in so many modern texts right um very much like um Rhonda Burns the secret you know that kind of thing um but I'd say that definitely thinking about um you know the, the things that I do every day that that help me is I love affirmations. I love remembering to remember. 
you know, when, when everything gets overwhelming, when the world gets busy, when everything's hectic and I'm just, they just you've just got to slow down, calm your mind down and thinking, why am I here? Why am I doing this? You know, what purpose is this serving? And is this, is this filling my cup? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, so I have, um, I write my gratitudes in my journal each day. Um, and sometimes, you know, I, and I, I like to ask the universe to remind me a lot. Like, so for example, I was swimming this afternoon and uh, my, my swim time is my, my time out. It's my moving meditation where I can just calm down because there's nothing else I can do. I'm just swimming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every now and then I'll, I'll ask, um, you know, to remind me to remember. And I'm swimming along and there's the dark clouds and everything when I got into the pool. And then the sun breaks out and, and starts putting the ripples on the bottom of the pool that I just love to watch. Yeah. I'm like, no, oh, there's, there's my little reminder. You know, so I think that definitely how you're talking about that it's all just energy. We're all just energy. And if we get on the right frequency, then we're going to be moving to our best selves, to where we want to be. And um, you don't have to do it alone. You know, if you need a reminder, just ask for a reminder. You know, just put it out there. I want to remember why I'm here. I want to remember why I'm doing this. And it'll come to you like it just comes. It's energy. It is. It's um, like a great cosmic radio, right? You're the one who exactly. has to plug it in. You have to plug in the radio to get the, the juice. And tune in the frequency. And turn on the machine and then tune in the frequency. And you know what? You're the one in control of that dial. If the frequency isn't right, keep going. Keep turning it until you find the right frequency. It's that simple. I think people work too hard at it, don't they? Mm. <laughs> Most cases. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've given three. The, the reading, the affformations, the gratitude, the I've given more than three anyway. Yeah, hey, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. It's all great. Well, listen, this was a really lovely hour. I feel like I've made a new friend, Kylie. And I hope that uh, we didn't even touch on the other work that you do as a writer and an app creator and all these other amazing, will you come back for a part two sometime? Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. Thank you very much for having me on the show. But I really think, I'm truly thinking this whole thing, we were brought together for Charlie. I need to get in touch with Charlie. Well, and Tell her about your, your Lost Travelers Club. I'm very happy to talk with her and any listeners out there, if you just go to losttravelers.club, you'll find out what it's about and we will create what it's about. Uh, It's always in a state of movement, a state of flux, depending on the constellation of people who wander in and wander out on their journey. It's always the right time to to come together and and find that common ground because it is there. We just have to, Mm. as as Kylie was saying, we we just have to ask and there it is. Thanks again so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to season three of the Lost Traveler podcast with your host, Henry Cameron Allen. Visit me online at www.henryallen.org. Thank you to all my guests and thank you to my listeners all around the world. I couldn't do this without your support. Let's keep striving for a better world together. Thank you.